Welcome to our IEEE Future Networks Initiative Podcast for the Experts series. My name is Alex Wiglinski, co-chair of the Community Development Working Group for IEEE Future Networks Initiative and professor of electrical and computer engineering at Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Worcester, Massachusetts, USA. In this two-part podcast, we will be talking with world-renowned experts on the topic of 6 gigahertz spectrum and the future of 5G connectivity. April 23rd, 2020 was a big day in the United States for wireless spectrum. On this day, the FCC voted unanimously to open up 1200 megahertz of 6 gigahertz spectrum for unlicensed use. This newly unlicensed spectrum is a game changer for the wireless sector, especially 6 gigahertz communications and networks. And there exists both new opportunities and new challenges to utilize this 6 gigahertz band. In part one of this two-part podcast, we will focus on the changing spectrum landscape. With us today are the Chief Technology Officer for the US FCC, Dr. Monisha Ghosh, and Principal Program Manager for Radio Spectrum Policy at Microsoft, Mr. Scott Blue. Uh, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, good to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. So, um, there's a series of questions that I would love to ask both of you. So I'll, I'll start off with Monisha. Uh, the question is, how will unlicensed six gigahertz wireless spectrum impact the future of 5G in terms of technological innovation? And what are industry actions that might affect that? Thanks, Alex. Um, so the unlicensed six gigahertz is unprecedented in that uh, 1.2 gigahertz of spectrum has been made available for unlicensed use. Uh, in parallel, we also have the efforts of licensing spectrum for 5G cellular. Um, and these two developments go hand in hand. Uh, what we've seen in the recent past is that as consumers get used to the level of uh, uh, performance they expect from either their Wi-Fi, they expect that from cellular and vice versa. So with the unlicensed six gigahertz band being made available to not only Wi-Fi, but any unlicensed services, uh, including cellular, uh, what we hope to see is much higher throughputs, uh, latencies, um, much denser deployments, being able to support a large number of users uh, with higher performance for everybody. Uh, and industry is already taking, you know, no, ha has been taking note of uh, this action. Uh, in fact, a large part of this action was driven by the need of Wi-Fi for higher bandwidths. Um, so just uh, to set the stage here, today most Wi-Fi in five gigahertz operates at up to 80, gig 80 megahertz channels because there really isn't a wider channel availability uh, in that band. And so a big part of opening up six gigahertz was to make available more bandwidth. So what having a wider channel does for you is two things. Of course, the throughput goes up, but it also reduces latency. And uh, the Wi-Fi uh, industry, 802.11 in particular, 
uh, has already standardized A22.11ax or Wi-Fi 6, uh, which uh, will be uh, using 160 megahertz channels. Uh, there is also standardization underway for Wi-Fi 7, which will be using 320 megahertz of channels. And having this 1.2 gigahertz of uh, bandwidth available for these new services uh, is, going to, is going to help these uh, future systems enormously in terms of, as I mentioned, both throughput and latency. We also expect to see um, unlicensed cellular uh, coexist with Wi-Fi in this band, just like it does in uh, 5 gigahertz. Um, and there may be other new applications that come up. We already have applications like Bluetooth and Zigbee in unlicensed bands in other parts of the spectrum. And we hope that there will be more innovative uses of the spectrum going forward. Thank you, Manisha. Um, Scott, do you have anything to add? I guess the the one thing I'd add is, is that we're talking about having seven uh, 9.6 gigabit uh, a second capable channels, and and I don't think uh, anybody's really wrapped their head around you know what what you can do when you're moving that much data around in uh, areas like robotics and and industrial automation and, and those kind of things. I think that's you know um, for all we've been pushing against um, trying to alleviate the congestion that we're seeing in Wi-Fi. I think on the other side of this, we're going to see, you know, lots and lots of things that we've never thought were, were possible. Thank you, Scott. So my next question, um, with this additional wireless spectrum available for, uh, for use with 5G technologies, are there wireless broadband applications that would benefit? There's an ecosystem that's, that's likely to develop um, around broadband access uh, in particular. Um, you know, part of the problem with, with fiber to the home is, is that people's Wi-Fi connections weren't as fast as the fiber that's actually getting to the house um, or to the office or, or uh, to the other connections. Um, so, you know, there's, there will now be uh, you know, the ability to move all the data that comes, comes to the building. Um, and, and I think that that will... Uh, uh, spur on a whole bunch of, uh, of new um, services uh, as, as we have both the, the faster and, and the lower latency connections to, to the IoT side of things. Um, and, and I think that's, that's uh, you know, where we'll start to see. Um, and, and there's a benefit, a side benefit to that for 5G um, in that the more that we grow out the, the fixed networks, um, to provide uh, homes with uh, with, uh, with this internet access that's that's capable through um, through higher speed Wi-Fi, uh, it allows the the 5G infrastructure and that same fiber fiber infrastructure to be used for 5G as as we grow further into the community. So uh, there really is a symbiotic uh, relationship between uh, you know pushing out the unlicensed spectrum and and also being able to push out the infrastructure for 5G. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Monisha, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, as Scott mentioned, uh, you know, I think the industry is uh, still wrapping their heads around what this huge uh, pipe can do for them. Um, you know, given the situation that we're all in today, working from home uh, and moved all our activities online, this extra bandwidth will go not only to making our Zoom calls and our experiences with video conferencing better, uh, it will also enable things like telehealth, uh, which really requires a lot of the higher bandwidth, lower latency 
features that actually today are very quite difficult to get. Um, and uh, then on the entertainment side, there are applications like AR, VR, uh, which really require both the throughput and the latency aspects um, that this band will be able to provide that will benefit enormously from, uh, from the six gigahertz. Th those are really exciting answers. Um, this next question, uh, we'll start with uh, Monisha. And uh, the question is, um, you know, since, since the six gigahertz band is unlicensed, um, how will coexistence of 5G cellular and other services play out in this spectrum? Um, yeah, so um, actually the six gigahertz band has incumbents in it already, which will continue to exist there. And the rules were very carefully crafted uh, to provide protection to the existing incumbents. Uh, we also will have definitely uh, cellular systems playing out in this uh, 5G NRU. Uh, will coexist with Wi-Fi 6E, uh, just as 11AC and Wi-Fi uh, are coexisting with LTE LAA in 5 gigahertz. Um, in Chicago in particular, uh, we've been doing a lot of measurements and we see a rapid rollout by the carriers uh, of LAA. So, you know, aggregating up to three 20 megahertz channels, which gives them an instantaneous um, 60 megahertz on top of their licensed bandwidth, uh, which allows them a lot of flexibility. So while the unlicensed bands, it's harder to guarantee quality of service or QoS, um, it, it, it is great for uh, applications like downloading big data files. And so what we're seeing is a very smart use of uh, the spectrum in conjunction of the unlicensed spectrum in conjunction with the licensed spectrum. So applications that require the high quality of service guarantees like uh, real-time video streaming uh, are over the, unlicensed, uh, over the licensed spectrum, whereas other applications like data downloads um, can go over uh, unlicensed. Uh, we expect that this will continue um, in six gigahertz. There are certain differences in the way the rules were created. Most importantly uh, being that in uh, six gigahertz, the maximum power that one is allowed to transmit maxes out at a much wider bandwidth, 320 megahertz. Uh, whereas in the five gigahertz rules, you could max out your power in 20 megahertz channels. Um, so what that will create is a situation where each system will have to figure out what bandwidth should they be using to maximize the, both the power they're transmitting as well as their ability to coexist uh, with the other system. Uh, and so a lot of the lessons learned in five gigahertz will hopefully inform how um, how these uh, two play out in the six gigahertz. And there's also been uh, encouraging developments in uh, in Etsy brand recently, where uh, there has been discussion about using a common threshold for detection between these two systems, which was not there in five gigahertz. Uh, so we're we're very hopeful. Uh, there is enough bandwidth. One point two gigahertz is a lot of bandwidth, which will make coexistence and sharing uh, easier. Um, and we hope to see innovative new solutions come out where uh, both of these uh, systems uh, can productively use the spectrum. Very exciting. Uh, thank you, Monisha. It's, so it sounds like there's a lot of work going on in terms of ensuring legacy 
legacy access and, and while making space for new applications. So, so yeah, and uh, one thing I would point out is uh, the legacy is actually there is no legacy in six gigahertz. So it is an opportunity for a clean state, clean slate design. And by uh, sort of changing the rules a little bit, uh, where we've tried to incentivize the use of wider channels, um, we hope that people, the Wi-Fi, will move away from the use of the narrow 20 megahertz channels and move towards the wider channels. And 5 gigahertz, it built up. Uh, we started from 20, and then we built up to 80 and 160. And in the 6 gigahertz, we are incentivizing the use of the wider channels from day one by basically saying, uh, you know, by putting a power spectral density cap on the power, which means that the wider channel you use, the more power you get. Uh, and we hope that that will spur a better use of the spectrum, both for, you know, Wi-Fi itself, as well as for coexistence. Excellent, thank you. Uh, Scott, any, anything you would add to this question? actually uh, spent uh, most of the week on the uh, Etsy brand calls because there was no face-to-face -face meeting um, uh, to look at this issue and, and we're uh, well along in, in the 3GPP IEEE coexistence work um, and hopefully that the, the two technologies will uh, you know, be able to over the air coexist as, as though they were one thing which is certainly not the case that it's been in, in five gigahertz. So it's part of having this green field to operate and set the rules so everybody can play fair from the beginning. And uh, hopefully that's going to happen. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And, and this is this is interesting because I think this actually segues very nicely into our next question, um, especially with the discussions with Etsy and, 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 and such, which is, uh, and maybe Scott, if you if you could start off with uh, answering this question, which is, you know, given this new unlicensed spectrum allocation in the six gigahertz, band, six gigahertz band, do you foresee the EU and other countries performing similar regulatory modifications? Um, well, I, I could talk all day about the EU. Um, so maybe I, I will talk about uh, some of uh, the other um, countries first. Um, sure. Just this week, um, heard that uh, South Korea and Taiwan um, are going to be adopting rules that are fairly similar to the U.S., uh, similar enough that you'll be able to build one product and it'll be able to ship to all three markets. Um, and there's countries as far flung as, as Brazil um, and Canada that uh, that are looking very closely at, at something that I, I expect will be something similar to what's going on in the U.S. Um, it's interesting because uh, kind of the notions of using 6 gigahertz for Wi-Fi uh, came out of the EU process for, for the World Radio Conference in uh, in 2015 when they looked at using this band for cellular, um, and a representative from one of the countries said, "Well, I could see this being used for indoor for Wi-Fi, uh, but I think there'd be too much interference for satellites if it was used outdoor for cellular." Um, and uh, we've actually took that idea back to the FCC and went, "Well, what about using this uh, band for uh, for Wi-Fi?" Um, and that process started way back then, 2016, um, in Europe, and has uh, been a little bit more conservative and a little slower than, than what's happened in much of the rest of the world. Um, They're looking at just uh, making the spectrum available to 6425, um, so there'd be a maximum of three channels instead of seven uh, of these large 360 megahertz channels. Um, and the... Um, uh, 
there have been a number of, of problems with the lower band um, because there are urban rail, uh, basically subway system control um, systems that um, they say are very sensitive to interference um, in some cities and yet in other cities they're they're working in the 2.4 gigahertz um, Wi-Fi band. Um, so it's been very difficult to do coexistence studies and, um, and so it might we might end up only having two channels in Europe at this point. Um, and then there's some other issues with uh, uh, with mitigating um, interference to fixed links and uh, different countries have different rules. So there's different sensitivity to the incumbent services that are in there. So uh, it looks at this point like there might be a, a fairly elaborate system where you'll have to figure out what country you're in first um, and ping a database to see whether you're allowed to operate there or not. Uh, and then a couple of countries will actually be geofenced and not using the technology initially. Uh, slowly but surely, we'll uh, we'll sort things out in Europe so that uh, you know we can have products that ship globally. Great, awesome. Um, and Monisha, any thoughts on how like other other countries and organizations around the world might follow suit? Right. So um, you know, we drew FCC drew heavily on both the EU reports that were put out on coexistence in this band um, and Ofcom's studies in this band. Mm -hmm. um, as Scott mentioned, the, the, the situations are slightly different in every country, even in the U.S. Um, it is different from EU and even within the U.S., different areas of the country have different uh, incumbents. And, and because of that, uh, we had to be, um, I think we were quite conservative in the indoor power levels that we chose and the outdoor usage will be governed by an EFC. Uh, and actually the process of starting up a multi-stakeholder group that will determine what the parameters of the automatic frequency control database should be has already uh, kicked off just recently. Um, it, we, we definitely, in order to spur this uh, spectrum um, harmonization across the world, even if it is for part of the band, would be very, very helpful. Um, we hope that that will happen uh, just by looking at what happened in 5 gigahertz and how that uh, helped uh, this, that Wi-Fi industry in 5 to take off. Um, but having said that, um, incumbent protection, uh, we don't talk about it often. It is a very important part of uh, setting up the crafting the rules for this band. Um, and as Scott mentioned, every country might have to look at what exactly they want to protect and at what level before they come out uh, with a set of rules. But we'll, we'll hopefully have at least a few channels that can be used worldwide with the same set of rules. Excellent. Thank you so much. Do we expect to see any drawbacks or challenges in having 5G cellular operate in unlicensed 6 gigahertz spectrum? Um, as, we, as I mentioned briefly before, uh, some of the rules have changed compared to five gigahertz. Uh, so there definitely will be a different coexistence scenario. Um, and as Scott mentioned, some of the coexistence thresholds are being reworked to make coexistence better. But all of these should hopefully make coexistence with cellular and Wi-Fi perform better than we've seen in five gigahertz. In five gigahertz, um, coexistence was an after the fact thought. Uh, Wi-Fi was already fairly entrenched uh, and then fitting in LTE, LAA variants um, look, took a little bit of work. 
uh, with 6 gigahertz, actually, it is great that both uh, 3GPP and 802.11 have started the conversation and are working together to come up with a set of parameters that will make coexistence better. Uh, I don't foresee any, any spe specific difficulties. Uh, coexistence here will be different, and I hope it will be better, uh, but I hope uh, not to see some of the issues that we did see with 5 gigahertz uh, coexistence. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, how, about, how about you, Scott? What, what, are, what are your thoughts about uh, drawbacks and or challenges with respect to 5G operation in this unlicensed 6 gigahertz spectrum? Uh, well, I, I think to this point, we've looked at um, you know, 5G NRU and, and Wi-Fi coexistence kind of on an equal footing. Um, what we haven't looked at yet, and, and mostly because the coexistence is, is about low power indoor at this point, um, is the supplemental downlink uh, for cellular services so that the, you know, the energy is only going in one direction, um, which is all, it was a concern in five gigahertz. It's, it's still a concern now. You know, what does that do to the QoS for, for both the Wi-Fi and NRU um, stations that that are trying to do you know something closer to mission critical communication and at least in in the enterprise or, or in the factory um, so that that's kind of um, there's there's a yet to be seen uh, piece on that one um, but most of the catastrophic things in five gigahertz that were a potential based on you know products that the LTE community wanted to sell into the market um, you know we're were not as good. Um, it was not, it didn't sell as well as as things um, that really haven't been a problem. Uh, so the other side of the supplemental downlink, you know, one of the carriers said to me, "If there's Wi-Fi there, we don't need this spectrum for uh, getting extra capacity to our customers." And, and uh, that seems to have been, you know, it, it's all very naturally worked out. People are just looking to get internet. If they're getting it some other way, they don't need to uh, go to the extra expense of, of setting up a, a more complicated system that's that's connected to the cellular network. So, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, of we'll see at this point, um, but things are, are you know, moving much more smoothly than they were at 5 gigahertz for sure. And Alex, if I, if, I, if I may add a little bit to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the one of the changes that we made, uh, at least in the U.S., was um, in five gigahertz. Unlike the rest of the world, U.S. did not have a listen before talk uh, requirement. Uh, what we did in the six gigahertz rules is put in a contention-based protocol requirement. It doesn't have to be listen before talk in particular, but it could be. Uh, and part of the reason of thinking behind doing that. Uh, was to enable the spectrum to be shared fairer than some applications we saw in five gigahertz, where uh, if a system chooses not to use a contention-based protocol, it makes coexistence more difficult. So we hope actually that the rules as, as set out uh, will enable better coexistence of the two systems. Great. Thank you. Excellent. Is there now an opportunity here where this, this new allocated unlicensed band will spur on significant innovation in wireless technology. In other words, will this new spectrum be a catalyst for research and development in the six gigahertz band? Uh, so uh, Scott, like, we'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts about um, now that we have this frequency band, will people come? Will this create uh, new opportunities in terms of wireless technology? 
Well, I actually think it's it's already happening. I was going to say happened, but I, I, we're still in the middle of it. Um, and it's it was the combination of, of this opportunity of six gigahertz coming, um, and kind of some of the bold statements that were made by the IMT five G community. Um, and so we had the idea of, of private cellular came out with these much lower latencies based on you know how five G was going to operate. Um, and then the, the folks in the 802 came and smashed their numbers, right? And I've, I've seen multiple examples of, of um, new chipsets that are working six gigahertz that are significantly lower latency than some of the uh, 5G um, chips that are sampling. Um, so that, that kind of, you know, pitching one against the other is has benefited both, uh, kind of in the same way that we saw uh, between WiMAX and LTE in, in the 4G space. Um, you know, this, this opportunity for, for who's going to have better gear for six gig is, is really pushing the envelope. Um, you know, seeing OFDMA come to Wi-Fi and, and some of the new technologies. And, and when we have, you know, these wider channels that uh, um, can have the clients communicate back on a subset of those channels and all these, these new kind of neat things. Um, not sure that they would have been there if there wasn't this, this field of dreams, as you put it, to, uh, uh, to have the opportunity to play on. Awesome. Uh, how about you, Manisha? What are your thoughts about uh, the newly allocated spectrum and um, opportunities for um, a spur in, 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 in significant innovation in wireless technology? Uh, I completely agree with what Scott just said. We, are, uh, we, are, we hope that uh, this band will create, so we already know about Wi-Fi and cellular coexisting. We also hope that this will help new applications come out. Um, some of them have already been brought to the FCC and we, the, our current rules don't actually completely allow them. One of them is unfettered, low, very low power access, even outdoors. Um, the current rules that FCC has does not allow that, but we did ask that question in a future notice for proposed rulemaking. Uh, and that would enable devices that will be able to stream really, really high amounts of data uh, at very short distances at very low power. So enable things like glasses, uh, portable devices that are capable of uh, extremely high data rates. Um, that is not there yet. We hope that will happen in some way, form or the other. Uh, but even given the current scenario, uh, I think it's really... Um, uh, I, I hope to see actually applications that move beyond just Wi-Fi and cellular come up in this band. So you already have ultra wideband, which operates in part of this band, which will continue to be a service at very low power. The wider bands that the Wi-Fi that, that we allow here will allow maybe new locationing services to be developed, uh, leveraging the wider bandwidths uh, and, and lower powers that are available. Um, and for the rest, yeah, I, I would not prophesy what can or cannot happen because usually what actually comes out uh, is, is much more than what people can uh, envision uh, you know, five years before they actually hit the road. So we do hope that we will see new applications uh, and new R&D that spurs that. Great, thank you, thank you. Um, so this last question is a little bit open-ended, um, um, is where can people go for more information? Like, obviously, this is very exciting. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities, uh, research development, um, 
like industry deployment. Um, where can people find out more about um, what they can and uh, what what are what are the options and um, uh, like opportunities for operating the spectrum? So maybe Venetia, um, like uh, your uh, any any insights on where people can find out more about about these opportunities? Sure. So I mean, if you just want to know about the rules, if you go to the FCC website and just Google six gigahertz rules, you will get the actual. A document which lays out the rules and details. Um, other than that, uh, Wi-Fi Alliance uh, I think has been very active in in, uh, uh, in on their website as well as there are a lot of I think their webinars and white papers talking about Wi-Fi six and what it can do. Um, there there will be I think um, you know I'm sure there'll be workshop sessions and conferences coming up which will start focusing on six gigahertz. Um, but right now it's, it's mainly, I would point folks to Wi-Fi Alliance and the FCC websites. Um, I, can, I can personally uh, uh, say that uh, when I found out about this uh, rulemaking, um, the people I communicate with in social media and stuff, it exploded about how, how fantastic news this is in terms of the opportunities uh, for growth in the sector and also how society uh, can be further connected. But uh, I would like to hear from both of you, if, if, if uh, your thoughts, like any, anything that was not covered by these questions um, regarding um, you know, the future of now that we have this unlicensed spectrum, uh, where will this take us in terms of society? So maybe Scott, like anything that wasn't covered, like anything you would like to add? just to look at, at Microsoft and some of our internal um, the R&D folks that you know every time you talk to them it's like oh could I do this oh could I do that right it, and it really is very early days for the people that will will take these chipsets and, and make use of them of, of figuring what are the new and exciting things that they can do um, you know on this the very low power that Monisha talked about um, so uh, that people are you know focusing on this application to connect your phone to some classes um and and that'll be the you know kind of linchpin application but um you know it, it opens up kind of you know body area iot all kinds of, of interesting applications around that that uh, i'm sure there's medical devices and other that will spring out of that um but you know it, it it is a build it and they will come right and it, and it really is you know it's the biggest playing field of, of this kind of, of unlicensed technology, something that I've been you know, involved in for 25 years. It, there's nothing like this that's happened in, in the course of my career. Um, I just echo what Scott said. This is going to be very exciting. Uh, what we are going to see is uh, in, on the Wi-Fi side, um, you basically are going to have tri-band access points very soon. Uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting partitioning about, you know, what goes over five gigahertz, what goes over six gigahertz. I don't believe that everything that we are doing in 2.4 and 5 will automatically move to six. There'll be a judicious use of the best spectrum for the best application, um, which is exactly what we want to happen. Um, we are hoping to see much wider bandwidths being used in six gigahertz, really leverage the power that was given to Wi-Fi. Um, and the beauty of the six gigahertz really is that unlike say millimeter wave or 60 gigahertz where there's actually a lot more bandwidth, the, 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 the actual challenges for getting chips out quickly in six gigahertz are minimal. Uh, the industry knows how to work with these, this frequency band very well. 
uh, front ends, uh, IC technology is well known. So we're really hoping to see very rapid uptake of devices being deployed in the spectrum. Thank you, Monisha. That that's fantastic. Um, uh, great, great, um, great insight. And both uh, Monisha and Scott, thank you again for your time. Um, it's it's great to ask about your thoughts and insights about this uh, really uh, exciting news in terms of like you know the wireless spectrum community and what it has in terms of impact for the wireless sector as well in general, like uh, for our um, society and our connected society, where we're heading in terms of all these new applications. Thank you very much again to Dr. Monisha Ghosh and Mr. Scott Wu for their insights on this very important and emerging topic. Thank you all for listening to part one of our podcast on the six gigahertz spectrum and the future of 5G connectivity. And please stay tuned for part two. Discover more about the IEEE Future Networks Initiative and inquire about participating in this effort by visiting our web portal at futurenetworks.ieee.org.